Sending an email, streaming a video, uploading pictures, storing your documents, or simply listening to this podcast. These small and seemingly insignificant daily acts have one thing in common, data generation. Did you know that globally, data storage creates the same amount of CO2 emissions as air travel? Or that in 2017, the streaming of the hit song Despacito consumed as much electricity as Somalia, the Central African Republic, and three other mid-sized African countries combined. Just let that seep in for a moment. Data has come under increasing scrutiny in past years for issues related to privacy. But one thing that we're not hearing much about is how the data that we all generate contributes to climate change. Storing data is a non-stop job. 365 days a year, 24-7. So you can only imagine just how much energy is required. Turns out that anyone with a computer, smartphone, or tablet is contributing to the growing problem of data warming. In this episode, we ask the urgent and fundamental question, how can we make data storage more sustainable? On our journey towards the green cloud of the future, we'll explore some fascinating new innovations. For instance, you can actually store your selfies in a plant, allowing you to literally grow your own cloud. I'm Afton Halloran, and you're listening to the Nordic Talks podcast. A little later, we'll meet two pioneers who have grown a green solution to our data storage challenge. And I assure you that this is like nothing that you've ever heard before. We'll also meet Ben Kepis, a globally recognized expert in the areas of cloud computing and digital transformation. Ben will give us the big picture perspective of this field and tell us about possible solutions. But first, let me explain why data warming isn't just another insignificant issue that we can easily brush off. The issue is the way we store data. You may have heard people referring to this form of storage as the cloud. But the cloud is, in fact, thousands of data centers that comprise this fluffy concept. The biggest data center in the world can be found in Inner Mongolia. It takes up almost a million square meters— That's like the equivalent of 140 football fields. But how has data storage come so far in such a short period of time? This is Ben explaining how the storage of services that we use both in our private and professional lives have changed over the past few years. If we think back uh, 20 years ago, for example, um, if you were a a large company that did a lot of stuff versus uh, via technology, uh, you probably had a, a a bunch of computers, a bunch of servers sitting in a in a basement somewhere, uh, and you did your your processing and stuff on those on those computers. Uh, what's happened in the past ten or twenty years is that there's been the advent of cloud computing. So instead of uh, organisations having their own their own servers, their own computers, we leverage uh, 
huge data centers from the likes of companies such as Amazon, Microsoft, Google, and others. Um, and, and there's more and more of those. And we're seeing that not just for, for large organizations, but obviously uh, platforms such as Zoom, which we're using now, but Facebook and Twitter and, and, and YouTube and those sorts of things sit on these huge data centers, uh, which are being built all around the world. All right, so gathering data is more efficient and reduces both costs and energy consumption. On paper, it's a good idea, but in reality, it's out of control because private data is primarily located in the cloud. There are literally thousands and thousands of data centers around the world, and they are monstrous. Uh, And the thing with data centers is that uh, anyone who has, uh, you know, has a laptop knows that when when it sits on your lap, uh, it gets hot because it's it's processing data. So if you imagine hundreds and thousands and millions of these things, um, they they use a lot of power. They have a lot of air conditioning. Uh, they use a lot of water. So there's a whole bunch of uh, environmental impacts uh, that that these data centers create. And so that's the that's the issue around the the, the sustainability factor. It's clear now that we've got a problem on our hands. But how are we going to solve it? Let's meet Monica Seafred and Cyrus Clark, two interaction designers who are pushing the limits of data storage. Their project, Grow Your Own Cloud, lives up to its name. For the past few years, they have been testing out how to store files in plants. Let's hear from Cyrus about how it all started. Grow Your Own Cloud is a research project that myself and Monica started in around 2018. It's a research project that emerged in Denmark, actually. And it was all based around, at the beginning at least, a fascination that we had into what the cloud is. So as we know, I suppose most people might know this, our data is no longer stored on things like floppy disks or on hard drives. To a large degree, our data lives on data farms, data servers, which are what we essentially call the cloud. These are things which are far away from where we live and typically in rural areas, often in places like Scandinavia or like the polar regions. And we were very interested in this kind of strange way that we as human beings are managing our data. We're outsourcing the management and the processing of this data, even though this data is to a large degree very important personal things that are crucial to many of the many of the like most vital aspects of our lives so that became a kind of point of interrogation for us as we are designers and artists and that's typically how we operate we look we look for these kinds of provocations and and things to interrogate to give us inspiration and when we looked into this data management We also came across the fact that beyond this initial kind of socioeconomic, political um, strangeness of the cloud, there was also a huge environmental impact that we didn't know about and very few people seem to be talking about. And when we spoke about it with other people, there seemed to be a very, very low awareness of of this fact. The idea behind Grow Your Own Cloud is developed in collaboration with researchers at the University of Copenhagen. According to the UN... Denmark is the most digitalized society in the world, and Copenhagen in particular is at the forefront with leading digital hubs for research and innovation. Put simply, Grow Your Own Cloud is looking to nature for inspiration. Monica, Cyrus, and their collaborators are printing molecules into the DNA of plants 
and thereby storing data. This technology will give you the opportunity to see your digital selfies manifested physically in a leaf instead of in the cloud. We were very interested in how we might create a different type of cloud. And in that particular moment, myself and Monica were, were also very immersed in, in a world of nature. We were doing a lot of road trips and being just in, in wilderness. And we, we put these two worlds together slowly, this world of nature and this world of data. And we were looking for examples in nature of how nature manages data. How does nature manage information? And of course, the way nature manages information and data over millions of generations is through DNA. That's how nature writes data, how it stores data. And it's done that very effectively. And it's created DNA data storage as an incredibly efficient, and I, I really use that term in, in its like purest sense, um, form of data storage. It's remarkably robust. It stores data in an extremely dense manner. And it's also something that will never go obsolete. It's always been around for as long as we've been around. So this was for us the perfect thing to start exploring. How could we potentially start to imagine a world in which we store our data in, in DNA? And that's essentially the starting point of Grow Your Own Cloud. Come to think of it, this makes a lot of sense. DNA has efficiently stored genetic information for billions of years. But how do people react when you blur the lines between the digital and the natural world? It was interesting to see also people's reaction of how their relationship with data and their relationship with nature merged and sort of uh, changed and something new in their, in their minds sort of arised, new ideas and new fresh uh, perspectives. Besides reflecting on our relationship with nature, Grow Your Own Cloud also wants to offer a tangible example of what the future of data storage might look like. It's definitely like a narrative storytelling piece that helps people understand the problem better. At the same time, we're moving forward and we're actually doing quite a lot of, um, you know, science work with the biotechnologists when we're pushing and trying to do new things in the field of science. So actually things can, um, from, our head, from our end, become very, very real and people are interested in investing in our idea and treating it as a startup. Um, so I think the goal of trying to raise awareness um, is always there, uh, but we would love to explore the possibility of this becoming probably a, a business or a service that people could use. And, and by saying that, we still don't know if plants would be the medium we would use, um, but that's definitely on the table. Imagine giving your friend a plant with a photo file stored in it as a birthday gift. That might become a reality sooner than you think. Let's hear from Ben. If you think about what DNA is, it is a, it is a very efficient storage of, of information. Um, you know, it, it, it keeps the, the genetic code for, for, for every, every living thing. So um, from a conceptual perspective, there's no reason why that couldn't be amended to, to store, you know, selfies of uh, of people in beautiful places for example so um conceptually it, it it makes sense i mean obviously every time someone talks about genetic modification there is societal concerns around the impacts and those sorts of things um there's the reality of actually commercializing these things but 
but at a conceptual level, the idea that, uh, you know, a beautiful forest could store all of those pictures that people take of themselves and beautiful forests has a certain poetic uh, nature to it. Aside from Grow Your Own Cloud and the DNA storage approach, what other solutions are out there? Turns out, quite a few. Everything from data plants in our apartments and beautiful data forests to clouds that can actually absorb CO2 and servers that produce their own energy. Unlike Grow Your Own Cloud, the main focus of these other solutions is to make data storage faster, more efficient, and with a larger storage capacity. The location of the data centers is also key. They generate a lot of heat, so they need to be kept cool. One way to address this problem is to put the centers in places with cooler climates. Building data centers on the ocean is another method that's currently being tested out. Cyrus from Grow Your Own Cloud points out that the Nordic region is a strategic player when it comes to making data storage more sustainable. On the commercial side of things, just from the get-go, the Nordics is currently and is going to be a very important setting for the cloud computing industry. And particularly Norway, Sweden, Finland, they have vast expanses of this kind of land in the polar regions or just in, in places which are well suited for data storage. And just so for people who don't know, the reason for that is because data storage centers basically create a lot of heat. That's their main issue. It's, it's giant computers working all the time, constantly producing a ton of heat. And to cool them down, you need water or you need just cold, cold air. So anywhere in the kind of colder regions of the world, great for data centers. The Nordics have been kind of courting Google, Amazon, Facebook, and so on to build capacity up there. Obviously, there are also Nordic companies building data centers there as well. So economically, this is very, very important. This is a huge industry. It's growing exponentially. It's going to grow like for the next, for the coming decades, for sure. And we, we, we've seen a lot of parallels between big petroleum of the early part of the 20th century and now big data in the 21st century. It's something, there's something very, very similar about the parallel growth of these things and the impact they have on ecosystems, natural environment, the architecture of it all, and also the environmental consequences of it. Let's be honest, we can't make all data storage 100% sustainable right away. But while we wait, researchers all over the world are examining smarter ways to run our existing data centers. There is a huge amount of um, research going into making data centers more efficient. Uh, you know, if you're a company that owns a data center, then using less electricity is is a good thing. So, um, you know, I have, I have visited data centers that have pretty amazing technology in terms of recirculating water, uh, very efficient um, use of electricity. There's a there's a factor that they use in the data center industry um, around um, you know, power usage, efficiency, PUE, um, and that is is getting better and better. But at the same time, we're all taking more selfies and videos, so the storage requirements are going up. And so um, it's this it's this never-ending battle that uh, the data centres get more and more efficient, but the requirements get higher and higher. Of course, the carbon footprint of the internet is not just a problem for us as individuals, but also for companies that handle a lot of data. But there are some bumps in the road ahead, including access to renewable energy. 
Our growing demand for data storage puts companies in a dilemma. Should they stick to business as usual and meet our needs, or should they choose the greener path? Almost all of these these vendors are private uh, corporations. So Amazon, Microsoft, Google, um, et al. Uh, are private organizations and uh, have a really strong ability, because they're so big, to, to lobby strongly. But it's not only corporations that have the power to bring about change. Governments can also develop rules and regulations about how data is stored. However, Ben is critical of this approach. My suggestion is not so much that uh, that particular governments introduce data storage environmental policies, um, but that all governments work towards uh, sort of um, outcome-driven measures. Uh, and so if, uh, if a government looks at what it does through, for example, the UN Sustainable Development Goals, the SDGs, uh, and looks at the impacts of, of what they do, out of that eventually will flow the, the societal and environmental um, aspects and, uh, and you know, hopefully they will start to become more cognizant. According to Ben, increasing awareness of this topic is going to be crucial in shaping future actions. And that's less around developing specific policy about every potential uh, you know, problem area and more about building an awareness around those sustainable development goals across, uh, across you know, organisations or across countries, across citizenry. So, so that's, um, that's my hope. It's similar to the, the fact that when we, we take, as consumers, we take our selfies or go on Facebook or do whatever we do. Um, we remain blissfully ignorant of the realities of that. Uh, and I think that um, the way to, to deliver a positive future is to, is to build more awareness uh, uh, in all of us around the, the impact of our actions. As for now, there's not enough demand for green data storage. So what can you as a consumer, citizen and employee do to push for climate-friendly cloud solutions? If you're working in a company, I would try to raise a conversation of how much of the data you're storing is actually needed. And maybe you're having lots of archive data that you can try and erase. Um, So really just having that data hygiene and trying to erase, yeah, unnecessary data from your Google Drives from your phones from the companies. I think that's that's a, that's a small contribution, but if everyone would do it, um, it, it probably could have a bigger impact. And then really raising the awareness. And if you're having an access to any sort of educational institutions, just promote um, big ideas, bold ideas, um, especially if you're around design or art. Try to push for meaningful discussions and 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 critical projects that are raising um, something new and something important for the world and not be uh, going into the gap of, you know, Silicon Valley startup-y mindset, but really try and be critical and ask more the question of why rather than how uh, and have that as your northern ethical star. Currently, actually, there's not very much you can do. There are no alternatives to storing your data on a kind of green cloud. There's no way for you to know as a consumer of data how your data is being stored. 
there's none of the things that you might expect in kind of other industries. Like when you go to buy a car, you can see what the kind of economy of this car is going to be in terms of its footprint of CO2 emissions. Or when you go to buy food in some countries, you can also see that as well. And you can also make choices when you're doing those things. Right now, there are no choices in the data industry. It's all going into essentially giant data storage centers, which might be renewable. They might be running on renewable. That's an important point to make, but you just don't have a clue as to whether they're doing that or not. Ben agrees that starting the conversation is an important step in addressing the problem. And he also emphasizes how we can live in harmony with technology. I think that, um, you know, one person can't change these inexorable uh, growth of, of storage or the data center industry. I think that one person can do a really good job of um, building awareness. Uh, and so I think that, um, you know, we all embrace social media. We all use it. But if we can use it to not only tell our own stories and share our own images, but also build build an, an awareness. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm loath to suggest some kind of, you know, hashtag campaign because these things tend not to be particularly impactful. Um, but I think that we can all attempt to to build that awareness and have those conversations and tell those stories. Yep, we love technology. We love the fact that we can talk across the world on Zoom. But we also need to remain cognizant of the fact that there's some impacts that comes from that. That doesn't mean we should stop doing it, but it just means we should be aware um, more holistically of what that means. If we all followed this advice we might actually be able to keep up with digital transformation without compromising sustainability. What if we all made conscious choices about how our data is stored and demanded sustainable action from the companies who are responsible for taking care of our personal data? If each of us plant a seed today, it might grow into a green cloud in the future. I'm Afton Halloran, And thanks for listening to the Nordic Talks podcast.